everyone, it's Sari, and I'm live right now here at our Valencia campus. And I just wanted to say that whether you're joining us through YouTube or Facebook, any other digital channel, we're so glad that you call Higher Vision Church your home. Now let's tune in to Pastor Jared Ming's latest message from our series, Reach. series called Reach. And as a church, we're believing that God is going to help us reach both in the city and in the nation, but around the world. And so I'd like you to do something. If you did not receive one of these brochures, guys, if you'll come and have some of these ready to pass out in case anybody did not get one, I just want to make sure that everybody has this brochure. This is our last week. We're really focusing and highlighting on this topic. Every year in the fall, we focus on missions. And so if you didn't get a copy in your program, just wave and they'll get one to you. In there, you're going to see that there's three areas that we are called to reach, both our community and then our nation and then our world. It kind of follows the, what Jesus said in Acts. He said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And so one way you can do that is to make a pledge to help us in giving above and beyond your tithes to help us do certain things. And one of the things we're doing right now is we're providing meals. We're providing coats and we're providing blankets. You can go and buy a, a, a new coat at Walmart or someplace, bring it and put it in the bin. You can do the same with a, a twin-sized fleece blanket. Put it in there and that's going to help 70 people that are in um, the homeless shelter to have a coat, to have a blanket. And also we're providing meals for those 70 um, individuals as well as out in Santa Paula we're doing outreach. In fact, they're doing it right now. It's exciting what they're doing. So if you'd like to give to help with that, we'd appreciate it. But not only are we touching our city in places like the Pregnancy Care Center that we partner with, Feed the Children, which is the food bank here in town, or things like uh, other ministries that are helping and reach out like Light of Hope, which helps those who are struggling with addiction. But we also are helping in our nation. We're partnering with a ministry called ARC. And through this ministry, we've been able to plant over 803 churches over the last decade. Is that not awesome? to be able to share the gospel here in America. Not only that, we're going to the world. And so I've invited Pastor James, who oversees our missions ministry, to share a little bit about some Hello, of the Hello, church family. Done. How are you doing this morning? My people, I love you. Thank you so much for giving to missions. We've had an incredible year. I've got some pics and some highlights. This is our Haiti team. Any Haiti team members here? Can we thank God for our Haiti team? We did an incredible time of ministry. We actually provided and sent a construction team to build an orphanage. In Haiti, there's a tremendous population of orphans and kids that are being rescued out of slavery and human trafficking. And so we were able to build this. We also had some children's ministry. We did a medical clinic, uh, VBS. It was an incredible time for the team. We also did some ministry in Kenya. This is uh, Karen Ming. We sent a team to Kenya to do some leadership training and also to build a church in a village. We did some powerful ministry in the Congo Congo is a, you guys, next slide. The Congo is very impoverished. Uh, they don't have any opportunity for Bible training. We literally did a conference for over 2,000 pastors and ministry leaders, four-day conference. That's pretty awesome. We actually also fed them in, in the Congo. They don't have the opportunity to ever really eat meat. It's just beans and rice and vegetables. And we were able to purchase four cows and provide them uh, beef. And it was such a celebration, such a, a blessing, not only spiritually provide, provide them a meal like that. We did some crusades in Congo, led hundreds of people to Christ. This is in Mexico. Mexico, we did a pastor's conference. In Mexico, it's 99%
Catholicism, and it's not the Catholicism that's in the U.S. There's a lot of mixture there, a lot of idol worship. And so there's a move of God happening in Mexico. There's 1% currently evangelical. A spirit-filled, spirit-filled church is arising in Mexico. And so we want to sow into that move of God in Mexico. Amen. And uh, while we're there, one of the host pastors, they lost their building. So they literally have been meeting in his father's garage. And while we're there, the Spirit of God just spoke to us. And we prophesied that God was going to provide them a new building. And within two days, he got a phone call that this facility opened up. They wanted 8,000 pesos. We said, you know, God's going to get it to you cheaper. He negotiated, got it for 4,000 pesos, which is only $250 a month. So we gave to cover for the year. I came back, talked to Pastor Jerry. I said, this is one of the churches we're going to partner. We're going to cover the rent for the next year. We have a heart to partner, to build. How many know Jesus said to go build this church? So we want to build, we want to equip. And let me just tell you, in Africa, countries like Mexico, Haiti, they don't have the resources. They don't have the Bible training. They don't have the resources to build orphanages or churches. And how many know in America, we have the resources? Amen. Next month, I'm going to go to Zambia looking for church partnerships. I'll be training some pastors. Next year, we're going to be going back to Haiti. We're going to build an orphanage church for those in the orphanage in that community. We're also going to do some medical missions. We're going to be looking to do some churches, partnering with churches in Africa, build a couple more churches. A lot of things going on, of course, going to Mexico. Thank you so much for partnering with us and giving. I really, truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. God bless you. Amen. Give James a big hand. Integrate what we can do when we do it together. You don't realize that your generosity, all of us together, are literally impacting people around the world. If you look at your program or, or the little brochure, it, our goal this year is to raise $200,000 towards missions. And the way that happens is people make a commitment, and it helps us to do it locally, nationally, and internationally. So people make um, pledges, and you can see on the last sheet, last sheet is a pledge card, and that's a place for you to write your name, your email, and the commitment you want to make in 2019. And for some people, it's a monthly pledge. Maybe it's $20 a month. Maybe it's $5 a month. Um, but uh, whatever that amount is, just notate that. And if you want to make a one-time gift, just notate that on there and say, hey, this is a one-time gift. Some people have committed to give a portion of their tax returns. I had someone call me and tell me that God spoke to them. They're selling their house, and there's an amount of money that God said they're going to take from the sale of their house, and they're going to give it to missions. How many know that together we can reach our goal, and we can reach the world for Jesus Christ? Amen. Isn't that good news? So would you consider prayerfully, this is our last week to be in this series called Reach. Would you consider saying, God, what can I do? How can we be a part of resourcing and sharing the gospel? You know, we've been in this series called Reach, and here's kind of the concept. God spoke to me and said to preach on Jonah. And God spoke to Jonah, and here's what he said. He said, I want you to go reach Nineveh. I want you to share the love of Christ with them, the love of God with them. But instead of reaching, he ran. How many know there's a little Jonah in all of us? He ran. Instead of surrendering, instead of doing what God was stirring his heart to do, he ran. How many know you can't outrun God? And so when he ran, God sent a storm, and then God sent a whale. Aren't you thankful God speaks whale? Right? God sent a whale and swallowed Jonah. And um, while he was in the whale, he began to finally surrender. Now, the whale, we focus on the whale sometimes, but what we don't realize is that the whale is just God's ancient form of Uber or Lyft, right? It's God's vehicle to get whoever is in a situation to their God destination. And that's exactly what the whale did is it took him to the shore 
to get him back on track. How many here have ever been off track and you needed to get on track? Aren't you thankful that God loves us so much that he speaks well? And so today I want to continue the story. We, in week one, we learned, do we reach or do we run? In week two, we learned about this concept that when we're in the belly of the whale, that we need to surrender. And so Jonah began to talk about this idea that we cling to our idols. And the idol is the thing that stops us from doing what God wants us to do. So finally, Jonah said, I'm not going to cling to my idol and forfeit the grace or the love of God. I don't know about you, but I want to release the divine grace and love of God in my life. How about you? Well, the way is to let go. And we'll talk about that more later. But this week, we're going to continue on the story where Jonah goes to Nineveh. So will you stand to your feet? We're going to read our verse together. And as you turn, um, as you get your Bibles ready to go to Jonah chapter 3, I want to welcome today, we have people joining us in Lancaster, Santa Paula, Riverside, Bakersfield, Modesto, Fresno, Arizona, Colorado, Kansas, Texas, Missouri, Connecticut, Virginia, or no, the Virgin Islands, Australia, um, uh, Nigeria, Sweden. Come on, welcome all your church family. Is that not awesome? Wow. You know, last service we had probably more people online than we did sitting in the building. Isn't it amazing how that we're reaching the world? And it's your giving that makes that happen. We couldn't do what we do if it wasn't for your generosity. Guys, we're right on the edge of feedback again, so if you can work on that a little bit more. So let's read our passage together. It's found in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read it together. You ready? Then Jonah, I'm sorry, let's start again. Forgive me, this is my third service, so uh, give me a little grace. Here we go, ready? Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Somebody say a second time. Let's try it again. Say a second time. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Verse 2. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. Let's close our eyes. Man, I just sense such a wonderful spirit. sense the presence of the Lord here. Holy Spirit, we just say that we are thankful for you and we welcome you and we make room for you. We make room for you in the service. We make room for you in our minds, in our hearts, in every aspect of our lives. Anoint everything spoken and anoint our hearts to receive it, our minds to grasp it, and our spirits to walk it out. Say this with me. Say, God, I don't want to run. I want to reach in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Chris. So I want to give you three thoughts today about this idea. If we're going to reach, what does that mean? What's the message? And the first principle is found in the verse we just read in Jonah chapter 3. If we're going to reach, here's what we need to understand. Reaching is about the second chance. Everybody say the second time. I want to go back to Jonah chapter 3. The, the whale spit Jonah out on the shore, and he gets out. And when he gets out, what it says is that God speaks to Jonah a second time. But this time, Jonah obeyed. What I love about this part of the story is this, this idea of reach is about a second chance. In fact, the word a second time in the Hebrew is a word called shani. Everybody say shani. Shani is the Hebrew word there, and let me get really deep and profound with you. It means, are you ready? The second time. It means again. That God spoke again. 
God came to him again. Now, that's different than you and I. We operate often different than God because our mentality is, we'll, we'll give you a chance, but the first time you blow it, shame on you. The second time you blow it, shame on me because I'm not going to give you a second chance to blow it with me. I learned my lesson. Aren't you thankful that God isn't like us? Aren't you thankful that God says, I see someone who deserves a second chance? How many are thankful for the second time, the second chance? You see, it's kind of like the idea, this word shaney is a little bit like that amazing toy that many of us grew up with before we had video games and stuff like that and, and iPhones and iPads. It was called the Etch-A-Sketch. How many remember the Etch-A-Sketch? Come on, you remember the Etch-A-Sketch? And, and you know, if you're really good you, with the Etch-A-Sketch, you, you'd get like into a zone. You'd be like, <laughs> right? And uh, you could do stuff that nobody else could do. You would write with those two little words with this Etch-A-Sketch. And it was just really, really cool, right? But then when the screen was full and you were done, what would you do? You would do the Etch-A-Sketch move, right? You'd grab it with two hands and you'd do the move. Come on, do you know the move? And what was there would disappear to make room for another word. And, you know, uh, the Edge Sketch, I mean, it's not super technologically advanced. And, you know, maybe in Arkansas, it's their computer. I don't know. Sorry if you're from Arkansas. Don't be offended. My dad's from Arkansas. Um, just joking. But the reality, I better move on. Ha. Um, but the point is, is the Edge Sketch is about... What was there being removed to make room for the new? And what I love is that when God comes, he doesn't just even give you a second chance because here's the thing. How many know that we make mistakes? Anybody made a mistake here? We make mistakes, but here's the good news. Jesus doesn't just forgive us of our mistakes. He erases them. And he says, I'm giving you another chance, and this new chance is one where your past doesn't have to plague you. You don't have to carry your mistakes into your future, because when I get rid of it, it is as far as the east is from the west. I have forgiven your sin. I will remember it no more. I'm the God of the shaney. I'm the God of a second chance. How many are thankful for a second chance? You see, when, when God said, I want you to reach, it's because he saw a people. He saw the Ninevites. And he said, I know you're making mistakes, but you deserve a second chance. And you know what's awesome in the story is there's a parallel because not only does God give Nineveh a second chance, he gives Jonah a second chance. How many are thankful because you've been disobedient? Come on, somebody say the second time. So this story, if we're going to reach, we have to understand that God is a God of the second chance. Here's the other thing that this story teaches us, and that reaching is a sign from God. Often in the process of, of reaching, there's a sign from God. And I want to show it to you in the story. So Nineveh um, is the city. Jonah shows up. And this is where we pick up in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. Now on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. I love that because he went there to preach. And as a preacher, he shouted. Come on, that makes me feel better because I get a little passionate sometimes. And um, if you, you're here and you're wondering, why is the pastor shouting? Is he angry? I'm not an angry elf. I'm just passionate. And... Um, so he shouted to the crowds, and here's what he said. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne. 
Thank you, guys. He stepped down from his throne and sent this decree throughout the city. Kind of shortened it a little bit for time. Everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways. You know what that is? That's repentance. The word to repent doesn't mean you just say, I'm sorry. The word repent means not only am I sorry, but I'm going to change. I'm going to go the other direction. So they were repenting of their sins, turned from their evil ways, and stop all their violence. This is one of the most violent cities in the ancient world. When God saw what they had done and how that they had put a stop to their evil ways, every time I say that, I think of Nacho Libre. Come on, any of you? Their evil ways. Anybody remember that? Just throwing that out there. And how they had turned from their evil ways, and he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. You know, I love about this story is that Jonah preaches the message, and when he preaches the message, the city repents and turns to God. Now, when I think about that, it kind of gives me a a moment to pause, because here's what we realize. This preacher, he didn't want to be there. In fact, what's interesting is you can tell he doesn't want to be there later on, because he gets mad when they repent, and God's going to change his mind and not bring judgment against him. But I think you can even see that In his message, he didn't want to be there because he didn't add anything to it. I mean, he did the bare minimum. In 30 days, judgment is coming. I mean, he didn't have a screen with cool graphics. He didn't wear hipster clothes. I mean, he didn't tell a joke at the beginning of the message. He didn't even throw in a little extra grace of, and if you turn to God, he'll forgive you, and God loves you, and God is reaching out to you. It was just 30 days you're going to die. And yet, he was the most effective preacher in all of history. There's never been recorded a revival on the level of what happened in Nineveh. 120,000 people were saved and changed and repented and turned to God. No other revival in history has been so great. And it was done with a man who didn't want to be there and did the very minimum. Why? Can I give you my first observation? Because number one, here's my thought. Guys, God's word is enough. God's word is enough. And you know, we live in a culture where as Christians, sometimes we feel like that, that you know, we got to try to package it and we need to try to make it look better. Um, we need to soften the word. We, we need to try to help the Bible out. We need to make sure that we're relevant in how we present it. We need to, you know, because it just has such high standards, we're not just going to be able to speak the Bible because people won't receive the Bible. So we got to help the Bible out because it won't be received. Can I give you a message in it's this. God has not called us to be editors. God has called us to be messengers. And I want you to know something. God's word is enough because we can serve people, but we can't save people. Now, I know the Bible tells us, and we've talked about it, that we need to speak the truth in love. But I want to tell you something. You don't have to add to the word. You don't have to manipulate the word. You don't have to dress it up in flowery things. Listen, the word is enough. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Here's the bottom line. We don't have to interpret the Bible because the Bible interprets us. His word is enough. And we need to embrace and we need to realize that his word, when God says, 
My word will not return void, but it will accomplish what I sent it to do. You don't have to help the Bible out. If you'll just speak the truth in love, if you'll repeat the words of God, his word is enough. How many are thankful that his word was enough for you? I just want to throw that out there because you know what? We live in a culture where we're tempted to change it, to manipulate it, to pick out the parts we like and not bring up the ones we don't. Come on, y'all still with me? Say amen. Come on, this preacher's getting his Jonah, his shout on. Amen. God's word is enough. There was a miracle because God's word was enough. A city was saved. But can I make the other observation? Why was Jonah so impactful? Why was he so effective? Because, number two, God usually gives us a sign. When he releases his word, often he'll give us a sign that confirms that word. Whether it's something inside of our hearts, whether it's the the veil over our eyes are opened. The Bible says the God of this world blinds the minds of them who believe not, lest they should, you know, see the glorious light of God. So the veil is removed or their eyes are opened or there's a confirmation in their heart or there's a miracle that comes with it. God often sends a sign. I want to I tell you in the story of Jonah, I believe that's what happened. I'm going to tell you what I believe actually took place because I think Jesus confirms this. You see, when Jonah showed up, he literally in the Hebrew said five words. This message was a five-word Hebrew statement. And yet with five words, the city changed. Why would 120 people fall before God, repent, the king get off the throne, put on sackcloth and ashes, and repent of their evil ways because one guy shows up and says five words? Why? Because he was a sign. Now, some of you say, where does that come from? Well, I want to tell, tell you, I believe that Jesus gives us a hint of this in Luke chapter 11 and in Matthew chapter 12. Because when he's talking about Jonah, and by the way, I know there are people out there that are saying, well, you know, is that story of Jonah even real? It's probably just an illustration that didn't really happen. Well, according to Jesus, it did. So I don't know who you want to believe, but I've decided to believe Jesus. And Jesus said, listen, here's what he says in those two verses, basically. He says, to the Ninevites, Jonah was a sign. He was a sign because he went into the belly of the whale for three days and he was resurrected. He came out alive. In other words, what I believe Jesus was saying was this. He was saying that, listen, when Jonah showed up, everybody knew his story. He didn't just show up with the message. He showed up with the testimony. And everybody was talking. Can you believe it? This guy, this is the guy that you heard about it, right? He was swallowed by a whale for three days. And then he came back after three days. And now he's here saying that God is saying he's going to judge. God has sent him. It's a miracle. The story was told. Basically, Jesus says that they knew that he was a sign, that he'd been in the whale. Now, I know for some of you, let's stop. You're like, there's no way that someone can survive in a whale for three days. It's impossible. It may seem impossible, but first of all, let's just start by how many know we serve a God who does the impossible? So first of all, I believe it because the Bible says it and because I know that God can do miracles. But can I throw out there for you skeptics that there is actual scientific evidence to show that this is possible? Let me say, what are you talking about? Well, if you do some study, which I did, I discovered that the Encyclopedia uh, Britannica tells us that in 1891, there's evidence that 
on a whale ship with Sir Francis Fox and two scientists, as well as the crew, they saw a man named Bartley fall overboard. He was gone. They ended up later, I don't know how long it was, if it was a day or whatever, they harpooned a whale. And when they were cleaning out this harpooned large sperm whale, when they got to the stomach, they found Bartley inside and he was still alive. So we have a story of evidence. And not only do we find the story in the Encyclopedia Britannica of this happening with, with witnesses, but we also have another writing by um, Round the World After Sperm Whales by Frank Bullen. And he tells how that there are many examples where they had found similar things where a white shark whale, where someone had fallen overboard, was actually swallowed by the, the white shark whale. And when they harpooned the whale and they cleaned it out, they found the person in the stomach having been swallowed by the whale and they were still alive. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, one of the other things that they noticed in every example, by the way, I mean, know that oftentimes when we're trying to determine something, we need evidence. In every evidential situation where someone was alive, here's what also they discovered. That when they found them, that their hair had fallen off because of the acidity in the stomach of the whale, and their skin was bleached white. So now let's go back to the story of Jonah. Suddenly, a man with a story who has no hair with his skin bleached white walks into town after having been in the whale for three days and says, God has said in 30 days judgment is coming. In Jesus' name, forgive me. Why? Because God sent a sign. Why am I even bringing this up? Because if you're called to reach, what you don't realize is that God has sent you and you're his sign. You've got a test that you went through and your test is your testimony. I was on drugs. I was in jail. I was, had no peace. I was suicidal. I was struggling for purpose. But Jesus showed up and he forgave me and he changed me and now I'm alive and now I'm living. You're the sign that God wants to send. Because when God reaches, he uses someone. And in the story, what it's trying to tell us is that you are God's sign. You see, you think you went through a whale. You think you went through a storm because God didn't love you. Could it be that you went through your test because God was just preparing you for your testimony? Jonah's telling us and showing us that we're called to reach. And it's about a second chance. God wanted to give someone a second chance. Who in, in your Nineveh, in your city, on your soccer field, in your job, who in your life needs a second chance? They're waiting for their sign from God. You're somebody's sign from God. Your story. Come on, y'all with me, say amen. amen. The last thing that this passage teaches us is not only is it about a second chance, a shaney, not only is it about a sign from God, but when it comes to reaching, you have to understand that it's not about me. Even though I'm the messenger, it's not about me. Even though you're the messenger, it's not about you. I want to read to you what happened now. This is what took place. The city repents. And when they do, watch how Jonah responds. This is now in Jonah chapter 4. We're going to finish the book this week. 
This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. Come on here. How many here have ever been angry? Let me ask this question. This is a side note, but how many of you have ever been hungry? And then you were angry. And so you were hangry. Come on, this happens before dinners when families are together driving in the car. He wasn't hangry, but he was angry. He was upset. And what's interesting is that God addresses the issue in his life. And I'm going to show you. In fact, a story unfolds to help point out to Jonah what's going on in his life. And the Lord says to him, is it right for you to be angry about this? He addresses the issue. And I want to point out that there's a lot of us that we're angry or we've been at times angry with God. We've all go through seasons where we're angry at his principles or angry at what we think that he's done. The Bible says, then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under um, as he waited to see what would happen to the city. So basically what happens, Jonah's angry and so he says, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. But instead of going home, he goes out to the east side of the city on a hill he builds a little cabana. He gets a rock to put his feet on. He gets a little pina colada. And he puts on some reggae music. And he builds a shelter so that he's not in the sun. And then watch what he does. He waits for 30 days. Because he's hoping that they, even though they said they repented, they really didn't. And they're going to, basically, he's going to get a 4th of July um, fireworks display on the 30th day. Like Sodom and Gomorrah. God's going to take them out. He's going to kill them all. Maybe he's thinking there's going to be lots of animals and there's going to be barbecue. He can go get it. I don't know, but he's ready to go. He's excited. And so he goes waiting for the judgment to come. And as he's there angry, waiting for the judgment, watch what happens in the story. So God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its leaves over Jonah's head. Don't we serve a good God? Shading him from the sun. Now, if you wonder where this is, uh, present day Nineveh is in Iraq. It would be outside of Mosul in that area. How many know that's a hot place? It's a dry place. So God sends a plant to give him some shade. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful. Anybody grateful when God blesses you? Thank you, only two of you, the rest of you. We need to have an altar call. But God arranged a worm, and the next morning, the worm ate through the stem so that the plant withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his hairless, bald head until he grew faint and wished to die. He probably didn't have sunscreen and he had bleached white skin. I understand. All of you people that need 50 shade or 70 block, you understand where I'm going with that. Then God says to Jonah, and he addresses it again. Is it, you, is it right for you to be angry because of the, the plant dying? Now notice he switched, switched from... You're angry because I'm going to save a city. Now he switches to the plant. Remember, he blessed him with the plant, and then he took the plant away. He said, is it right for you to be angry about this plant that died? And he's like, yes. Come on, how many of you have ever been there? 
Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention, the other translations say all the cows. Remember I was mentioning the barbecue? Just throwing that out there. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? So I began to read through this passage and I began to read about the fact that God was, was dealing with this anger, this issue. Here's basically what I realized. The observation is simply this as we come to the end of the book. Is that basically God says to Jonah, Jonah, here's the problem. This isn't about you. In fact, let me give you a clue. It never has been about you. The problem is, you've made it about you. Because the big issue is that you care more about things, your shade, your prejudice, your comfort, than you care about people. You see, the whole chapter, the whole book is where God is saying to his people, listen, here's the temptation, is that we're worried about our comfort. We're worried about what makes us happy. We're worried about if things are going good, and if we're going good, we're happy. But if they go bad, then guess what? We get mad at God because we don't have what we wanted or because someone died and now we're sad. Or, 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 and listen, I understand grief and I understand challenge. Or, or I'm sad because I lost my job. Or, and when trials come, the same God who sent the plant sent the worm. The same God who sent a second chance sent the storm. And the problem is, is that God was trying to teach him that you care more about your comfort than you care about my call. You care more about things than you care about people. It's not about you, Jonah. And the problem in this whole story, the reason you ran, the reason you don't want to be generous and let someone get, the, by the way, the second chance that I gave you, is because made it all about you. And the reason that people don't give to missions and the reason that people don't serve and help others and the reason that people aren't concerned about the lost is not because of, 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 of all the things we think it is. It's because what we've done without realizing is that we've made everything about us. Well, Pastor Jared, I'd love to make a commitment to missions, but you don't understand. I always buy a coffee when I come into higher vision. Because you're kind of boring and I need a little extra caffeine. But maybe instead of the comfort, maybe what God is saying like to the widow, he said, I want you to give what's in your hand. Because you realize if you just didn't buy a $5 drink every Sunday, you could give $20 to missions next year, every month, or $250. Now, I'm not saying to make you feel bad or to try to manipulate you. I'm just saying how easy is it for us to care more about our comfort than to care about his cause. And we do it in life. We make it all about me. Reaching is its not all about you. I want to end with this. Last week, if you missed the message, I want to encourage you to go on and listen online. Those of you joining us online, you can do the same. But I shared how that when Jonah was in the, the belly of the whale, there came this moment where he changed his thinking. 
And um, he kind of resurfaced. Because how many know that sometimes we'll say we're going to do something and then we kind of fall back into it, right? Anybody ever been there? That's what happened with Jonah. In the belly of the whale, when things were going wrong, how many know when things are going wrong, it's easy to call out to God and say, I'm sorry and I want to change. But then when things get better, it's easy to fall back into the same mentality. So he's in the belly of the whale and when he has this change of heart, here's what he says. He goes, you know what? God, I've been clinging to idols. And we've been talking about, are you going to be a clinger or are you going to be a reacher? And we learned that, that what we do is he said, I cling to idols. And let me say this, what we cling to often becomes our idol. It can be fear. It can be control. It can be, for, for, you know what, what it was for him? Prejudice. In fact, can I tell you what a lot of us it is and we don't even realize it? It's me. I've become the idol. And so he says, if I cling to my idol, he says, I forfeit the grace of God. And so many times we hinder the divine flow of God in and through us and to us because we've hindered the love of God by clinging rather than letting go. And so I used the example last week of the widow. And remember how that God said to this widow who had almost nothing, I want you to give to the prophet. In other words, I want you to provide for my kingdom. I want you to be the reacher by being generous. And all she had was almost nothing, just a little bit. And what we do is here's what we say. We're like, God, why did you choose her? When, when you could have chose a rich person that lived in Israel right next to, to um, the prophet. Why did you pick some woman who didn't have much? And as we began to talk through it last week, what the Lord began to show me is that you and I, we do that, right? We have things and they become idols. What are we clinging to? What are we holding on to? But you see, God wants us to say, Lord, I want to obey. Because here's the thing. Obedience is doing the what when you don't understand the why. Obedience is doing the what when you don't understand the why. You see, God was telling the widow, I want you to be a generous person. I want you to sacrificially, because remember, he goes on to say, I will offer sacrifices, I will worship. So what he's saying is, listen, I'm not going to cling, but I'm going to be generous. You see, for the widow, the reason, the why, she didn't know the why, she just knew the what. And what happened is, is she finally said, okay, God, I'm going to do the what? And she gave, and it was the giving, it was the releasing the heart, the, the breaking down of me, myself, and I, the idol, that released what? God's ability to provide for her through the famine. And not only that, God brought her son back to life when he died. Because God knew what she needed before she even knew she needed it. See, God knew that the prophet, if he'd stayed where he was by a rich guy who provided for him through the famine, when her son died, her son wouldn't come back to life because the prophet needed to raise him back. So God knew what she needed before she needed it. So he said, I'm choosing you. And here's why. Obedience is doing the what when we don't understand the why. Y'all still with me? And can I tell you this? Obedience will never hurt you as much as disobedience will. I'm telling you, there's nothing like going to bed at night knowing you've obeyed the Lord. I want Pastor James to bring this to me, and I'm going to end with this. The reason I wanted to come back to that idea is because this idea is not all about me. This week, I walked into the, the office, and as I was walking through the office, someone from the county said, hey, hey Pastor Jared, i got to show you something. I walk in, and they showed me this, and I'm like, whoa, what is this? Are we going to Disneyland? I mean, what's happening? This is awesome. They're like, well, there's a note that goes with it. 
So they handed me the note, and this is what the note said. Well, I think this is what the note said. Here we go. I heard your sermon on 11.11, and it really touched me. The thing is, I've been holding on to my debt. I was in an internship that started getting me into debt, and then a car accident. When my car was totaled, I got more into debt. God blessed me with an amazing vehicle for very cheap, but I've been struggling to get out of a $6,000 debt. I'm a young adult trying to go back to school. I've been doing side jobs and putting that money aside to get me out of debt. My money, I've been hoping and saving it, but during your sermon, God told me to let it go and to give it all to God. And she said, she or he says in here, my idol was my debt. Which really, the, the meaning of that is that my fear that I'm going to struggle and never get out from under this. So I pray that this money will do what God intended it. Because I'm letting go. Thank you, Pastor Jared. I'm scared. But I'm at peace. Now, yeah, you can give the Lord a hand for that. So here we have a young adult. We counted it. If, if you're here and you're the person that wrote that, it was over $250. This person committed $250 to missions because they let go of what had become an idol for them. Now, I got to tell you something. I know that God is able to help this person in time with stewardship and with generosity. I believe that God's going to help them to get out of debt because God's principles are true. If you're a good steward and if you're generous, that he'll bless you. But you see, sometimes we have to do the what even when we don't know the why. I don't know why this is. I mean, I know that God's called this person to give to missions. And first of all, did you know that if we just had... 200 people do this, we would already have our pledges. And in a church this size, we're not even halfway there yet. You know what that tells me? Is that sometimes we've cared about comfort more than we've cared about people. As I said, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to manipulate you today, but what I am trying to do today is share the word of God because the, the word of God is enough to inspire your faith to know that if something is in your hand then he's telling you I want you to let it go that he does it for a reason one day when this young adult gets to heaven I believe if they haven't already seen it yet they're going to get their why it may be someone from Congo or from Zambia, or from Mexico, or from Jerusalem, or from Brazil, all the places we're going next year, that may walk up to them and say, hey, you know what, I just want to say thank you for giving what was in your hand. Because this guy with no hair and bleached white skin showed up and told me about a second chance. And I'm here. Thank you for not making life 
all about you.